I feel like I see a lot from Bitcoin to gold and all these different strategies. You're the only person I've ever heard articulate land flipping. And, and this is, again, this is, I want to be very clear that I'm not giving investment advice, but every person that I've talked to that has worked with you has gotten like insanely good results. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. Mark, welcome to the Better Wealth Show. Caleb, good to see you again, brother. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal. I'm so grateful that you're coming on the show. We, we got introduced by our good friends, Russ and Joey from Wealth Without Wall Street. Um, I've went down the rabbit hole, super fascinated what you teach, what you do. I've had the pleasure of being on your show. Uh, very, very grateful for your outside the box thinking. And the reason why you're on the show is um, we're, we're going down this path just as the Better Wealth community. And I want to introduce um, just our community to other ways to thinking about investments, alternative investing, cash flow. Um, I love unique stories. And so I've had some really interesting guests on. But as I was thinking about who would be an interesting interview, who would be fascinating to talk to, and who has an incredible service and product, I thought of you. You were like at the top of the list because you are known as the land geek. You have a fascinating story. Um, and then on top of it, you just get your clients and the people in your community insane results. And we can talk about something that not a lot of us know about is this concept of flipping land. So before we jump in, I would love to get like your two minute backstory of like how you became the land geek um, and why you've been doing this for the last couple of years. And, um, and, and again, anyone that follows you, listens to your podcast, knows that you're extremely passionate, you're very articulate. And so I really appreciate you taking time to be on the show. Okay, thanks, man. My, my fragile ego is just, is just singing right now. Thank you. But uh, if we rewind the tape to 2000, and I'm a miserable micromanaged 45 minute commute to work and back investment banker, specializing in mergers and acquisitions with private equity groups. And Caleb, it got so bad for me. I wouldn't get the Sunday blues anticipating Monday coming around. I'd get the Friday blues anticipating the weekend going by really fast and having to be back at work on Monday. So my firm hires this guy and he's telling me that as a side hustle, he's buying up raw land, pennies on the dollar at tax deed auctions. He's flipping them online and he's making a 300% return on his investment. Well, I'm looking at companies all day long. It's a great company, great. Has 15% EBITDA margins or free cash flow. Average company's 10%. And I'm looking at companies all day long, less than 10%. So of course, I don't believe him. So I've got three grand saved up for car repairs. I go to New Mexico with him. I do exactly what he tells me to do. I buy 10 half acre parcels at an average price of $300 each. I flip them online and they all sell for an average price of $1,200 each. It worked. So I took all of that money. I went to another auction in Arizona, which is where I live. And there's no one in the room. It's 2000. I'm buying up lots and acres for nothing. And I sell all that land and I made over $90,000 cash. So I go to my wife. She's pregnant at the time. I said, honey, I'm going to quit my job and become a full-time land investor. She's like, absolutely not. So I said, okay, okay. So it took me about 18 months for the land investing income to exceed the investment banking income. And then I quit. And I've been doing it full-time ever since. So what, what makes your story so fascinating is you had experience. You would look at deals, I assume, from your, your history of you know, analyzing businesses. Um, so 
and and based on your story, you said you had three thousand dollars for car repair. So you know, twenty years ago, you were not. You wouldn't say that you were financially free or had wealth. You just was this one of your first jobs? Like you know, talk through your mindset as it relates to like what you were doing and what your goal was before you met this guy. Was your goal to just climb the corporate ladder and you know make big bonuses or what was what was Mark's dream when he got into corporate America? So my dream was to make a lot of money. Um, I, I would be just, you know, shamefully say that. Like, yeah. I just, I, I was like one of that, one of those kids. I just always had dreams of, of making a lot of money and getting a lot of stuff. And so my first job out of college was working with dentists, helping them buy and sell dental practices. I was like a dental broker. And all of a sudden, private equity groups started rolling up these solo practitioners. I'm like, what's a private equity group? Yeah. And because I, I started seeing my market going away, I'm like, well, if I can't beat them, I'll join them. And then I moved to Phoenix, little boutique firm. I thought, okay, here's how I'm going to make my millions. And little did I know, uh, you know, oh, by the way, money doesn't make you happy. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that is what introduced you to this really niche outside the box a way of thinking about investing and we're going to dive into what what it looks like to and buy land and the 101 and how people can get started with that but um overall like was is this market is it is there just not a lot of people talking about it or like why why is there not like i mean i'm sure you're in the space you see it, it all but i hear a ton about people buying real estate Ton of, a lot of money goes into learning about courses. A lot of money goes into the network marketing space. And so, I, I mean, I, I feel like I see a lot from Bitcoin to gold and all these different strategies. You're the only person I've ever heard articulate land flipping. And, and this is, again, this is, I want to be very clear that I'm not giving investment advice, but every person that I've talked to that has worked with you has gotten like insanely good results. And it doesn't seem like there's, that much risk now i'm i'm saying this from a person that has not doesn't have a ton of experience to so take all this with a grain of salt but like does this kind of feel like the best kept secret and like did you when you've heard about this over 20 years ago did you're like if this is legit there's a whole business that can be built around or were you just thinking of like oh i can make a good i can make this a side gig and maybe do this full time well yeah i mean there's a lot in there so you know from my from my experience with working with my first mentor, Raj, we would go on these business trips together to go visit dentists. Like I've been all over Oklahoma and Missouri and Kansas City. And we'd go to all these small towns and they meet with these dentists. And we would always sort of talk about what is the perfect business. And so a perfect business to us had no inventory. It had a one-time sale and then recurring passive income. It had very little competition and it had high margins. And so we would think and we would discuss and we would say, well, you know, at that time we thought Microsoft might be the perfect business, but we're like, you know, wait, you know, there's a lot of uh, expenses and infrastructure that go with software. And even though they, they're so strong, they're a monopoly, you never know they could get disrupted. And so really, we, do you know what we came up with as the perfect business? No life insurance. No way. And the reason life insurance yeah. is the perfect business is a one-time sale and you get recurring income every single month. I, you know, but what we didn't like about life insurance is that nobody wants to talk about life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
The second best model I thought was land investing. Now, the reason that life insurance beats land investing is because life insurance is an idea. You don't have to go out and buy anything physical. Mm-hmm. But land in and of itself is just a piece of paper. I'm not, you know, putting a bunch of physical things in my garage, like, uh, you know, or doing anything like that, right? It's just shuffling paper and making money. And so that's why this really appealed to me back in the day. We're like, oh my gosh, this meets all my criteria. Right. Now, when I walk you through the model, which, which we can do, then you'll kind of see like, oh, wait, this is why it works. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I would, I would love to do that. I just want to point out it in, you know, today, 2022, it seems like every, everything is super expensive and you look at, you know, population growth, you look at people that are like living in apartments and don't want to be and all this stuff. And you, you would think it's like land is it's, it's like not, they're, they're not making more land. At least, at least I don't know if Elon's working on that quite, quite yet, but it's like, it, it just feels like it's, this is something that is not going to go to zero because there's there's only a limited supply of that and there feels like there's going to be a, a greater demand just when you're looking at trends so from uh just from someone who doesn't know anything about this it's like okay um this is not a a a meme coin that could have potential but might have zero value that's that's what i'll say and i would love to get into the nuts and bolts and like the framework and the process and how someone that's listening to this can get started but then how you you know, buy something for $300 and flip it for 1200 That That's fascinating. And uh, it seems like, how could there be a, it doesn't seem very efficient, which means you're making money in the inefficient market. So um, I'm all ears. I have a notebook here. Um, let's let's hear it. All right. So Caleb, we're going to use you as a case study. You're going to be my seller. So Maybe. where do you live? I live in Denver, Colorado. Okay. So you're in Denver, Colorado. I'm going to assume that you own five acres of raw land in Arizona. Amazing. And you owe $200 in back taxes. So you're essentially advertising two important things to me. Number one, you have no emotional attachment to that raw land. You're in Colorado, properties in Arizona. And number two, you're distressed financially in some weird way because we don't pay for things like, oh, our property taxes. We don't value it in the same way. As a result, the county treasurer keeps sending you notices saying, Caleb, if you don't pay your property taxes, you're going to lose this property to a tax deed we're a tax lien investor. So all I'm going to do is look at the comparable sales on your five-acre parcel. I'm going to take the lowest comparable sale for the last 12 to 18 months. I'm going to divide by four. And that's going to get me what Warren Buffett would call a 300% margin of safety. So I don't want to be like the housing guys and send you an actual, you know, just send you a letter saying, I'm interested in buying your land. I'm going to send you an actual offer. So let's say that the lowest comparable sale is $10,000. I'm going to send you an offer for $2,500 for your five-acre parcel. Now, for you, you accept it because for you, $2,500 is better than nothing. In reality, three to 5% of people accept my quote-unquote top dollar offer. But now that you've accepted it, I have to go through due diligence or in-depth research. I have to confirm you still own the property, confirm that back taxes are only $200. I have to make sure there's been no breaks in the chain of title. There's no liens or encumbrances. I want to make sure there's legal access, ingress or egress, right? Um, what's the roads like? What are the neighbors like? So I have this whole checklist. I want to get the plat maps, the aerial maps, the satellite maps, the GIS maps. All this is outsourced to my team in the Philippines, who's connected to an American title company, costs about 11 bucks. So now everything checks out. And now I'm going to sell this property 30 days or less and make a cash flow like a rental home. 
So I have a built-in Best Buyer. Do you know who it is? No. The neighbors. The neighbors. Oh, so I'll send out sense. neighbor letters saying, hey, yeah. it's your opportunity. Protect your privacy. Protect your views. Know your neighbor. Yep. So oftentimes, the neighbors will buy. Now, if they pass, I'll go to my buyer's list. My buyer's list passes. I'll go to a little website you may have never heard of. It's called Craigslist. Okay. 10th most trafficked <laughs> website in the United States. <laughs> right. No, and Zillow is not a bad place either. Yeah. So you can do Craigslist, Zillow. Only thing with Zillow is you need to have a, a physical location. So you can't be the northeast quarter, the southeast quarter Makes sense. of raw land. Right. But if you got like an infill lot, Zillow's great. Um, and then I'm going to go to uh, Meta or the Facebook groups, Marketplace, and uh, again, other groups that people are going to be buying and selling anything. And then I'm going to go to the lands, landmoto.com, landandfarm.com, landsofamerica.com, landflip.com, landhub.com. These are platforms where people buy and sell raw land every day. But the way that I'm going to sell it is where the magic happens. So all I'm going to ask for is a $2,500 down payment. And then I'm going to make it a car payment. So $2,500 down, $339 a month at 9% interest for the next 84 months. You can own Caleb's five-acre parcel. So one-time sale, I get my money out on the down, or maybe I'll go six to 10 months out. Then I get $339 a month at 9% interest for the next 84 months, no renters, no rehabs, no renovations, no rodents. And because I'm not dealing with the tenant, I'm exempt from Dodd-Frank, RESPA, and the SAFE Act, all this onerous real estate legislation. So it's a simple game. Can we create enough of these land notes where our passive income exceeds our fixed expenses and now we're working because we want to, not because we have to. I can tell you've done this more than once. I appreciate I appreciate you laying that out so clearly. So would you be opposed or if someone gave you like top dollar, would you sell land without the note or is this part of the process? It's like, no, you want the cash flow coming in. I mean, it's never about what I want, right? In business, it's always what the customer wants. What we found though, is that most people want that car payment, like a rent to own yeah. situation. That's going to be your biggest buyer pool. If you've got a job, you can afford this raw land. Yeah. And so people like it because then they're conserving their capital just in the way that people finance a car, they finance a house. They want to, most people don't want to pay cash for things to go and do other things. And do you, so, okay, that's this so, this so fascinating from a standpoint of, of how you, how you break that down. What I, I guess, I guess there's really no pushback from a standpoint of do most of the time neighbors buy or, or not, because you're laying it out so simple. It doesn't necessarily go to on their debt to income it doesn't affect cause you're doing a, a note with them, private note. And then it's if they private. stop paying, do you get the, you get the land back? So that's a really good question, right? So let's take a look at your house. So when you buy your house, the bank gives you what they call a deed of trust. Right. If you stop, that's a lien on your home, but the, the actual ownership is in your name. Now, if you stop making your mortgage payment, they have to go through a foreclosure process. It costs them a lot of money. It's timely. It hurts your credit. Yeah. But what we do is there's no credit checks. We use something called a land contract. So a land contract states that the underlying asset remains in my ownership until you pay off your promissory note. So if you default, you've got 30 days to cure your default. If you don't cure it, I keep your down payment. I keep your monthly payments. There's no cost of foreclosure. And I resell that property. I extend out my ROI. 
And how many people default on the note? 10% in wow. a good market, uh, about 20% in a bad market. And in 2010, 40% of my notes defaulted. Wow. That was crazy. And what if I'm, if I'm connecting the dots, uh, the down payment that you're getting exceeds what you paid for that property? Or are you just trying to make, make back your money that you paid for the original plot of land on the down sometimes, payment? Sometimes I can make a profit on the down payment, but usually I want to get my capital out on the down payment. I want to keep my down payment as low as possible, again, to extend out my biggest buyer pool. But so what's interesting about that model is, so if the properties that I bought, let's say in 2008, and I sold in 2008, I had two years of somebody paying down my cost basis. So now I have a new cost basis in 2010 during the default. And now I just have to rebalance my portfolio, resell that property at the new prices. So today's prices, as you mentioned, we've got inflation. Yeah. Well, that's okay. I don't see inflation going away. That's a whole other discussion. Nevertheless, the people that are making their payments, they keep lowering my cost basis. So if they would default, I can always rebalance my portfolio. Yep. This is this is my mind going into scarcity here. If everyone knows about this, or as you teach more people, do you find that it's harder to find deals? Or there's, is there an abundance of deals with just a land? Because again, it goes back to, man, land, I would think people would value, especially nowadays with COVID and all that stuff. And it's like, is there is it hard to find deals? And you're like, openly sharing this publicly um, on shows like this, which I appreciate. What is your thought process and when does it, when does it become the not, no longer the best kept secret, everyone's doing it and it, it kind of ruins it for everybody? That's such a good question. So when I started teaching this, I had the same fear. Actually, it wasn't so much me. It was more my wife. She's <laughs> like, what are you doing? You're creating your own competition. So I said, okay, that's a really good point let's put on our investment banker hats. And what's the first thing an investment banker asks about any company or a private equity group asks about any company? How big is the market? Yep. Well, there are billions of acres of land for sale. Insane. And you couldn't think of a more boring real estate niche. You're not going to go on HGTV or the DIY network and see flip this land. The before picture is raw land. The after picture is raw land. Yeah. So if you go to a real estate investment association meeting, a real meeting, 100 people in the room, 99 of them will be house flippers, landlords and wholesalers. Correct. You and I would be the only land people. Now, that being said, there could be a million people in this niche. We'll all run out of money before we run out of deal flow. And to add insult to the injury, you can't have private equity groups or hedge funds in the space. It's, they have too much money. So having too little money could be a problem, but having too much money is also a problem because they can't deploy it fast enough. How many $2,500, $5,000, dollars $10,000 deals do they have to do? That's really hard to do. So they have to do these bigger deals. So you look at the billionaires, they just buy productive farmland. They're very happy making 8% on their money. We're making 300 to 1,000% because we're focused on inefficient markets in these rural areas. Yep. That's the, that's the number one thing that I think of when I think of land, um, the, the, what you guys do, buying land and flipping it, is it's super inefficient, which I love because you look at something like the stock market, um, there's ways to make money in the market, but there is trillions of dollars and, and people that, uh, and AI that are working a lot on that, on that market. And there's still opportunities to make money in the market. 
how many more opportunities if you could take a step back and look at the inefficiencies and just be willing to be be a person uh, be an it in in such a growing market i appreciate you sharing that that was that was one of the things that i assumed um and i i'm grateful that you articulated that so essentially what i'm hearing is there is abundance there's more than enough and it really comes down to just figuring out the system and putting in the work i'll be frank most people won't be willing to put in the work even no. like that what you're saying is work and as a result that that takes out 98% of America. So um, it's just the sad reality, but it's a great opportunity for people that are willing to work. Right, absolutely. I mean, I read your Infinite Banking Concept book. How many people after they read that book, are like, oh yeah, here you go. Yep. That makes so much sense. Oh, compounding. And I can borrow and I can, you know, just supercharge my returns. This seems like a no-brainer. I got asset protection. I mean, I've got tax efficiency, yep. but again, it can be the greatest idea in the world. Most people won't do it. Yep. Yep. Um, another question that comes to my mind is, can you use a bank finance or do you need to have money up front? Because um, this is another opportunity for the people that we serve. I mean, a lot of the people listening to this have money. They have access to money. One of their biggest questions is, Caleb, like, where should I invest my money? And we're very, very clear as a company that we do not give investment advice, but we want to be a platform that introduces two other opportunities. Um, do Can anyone get into land flipping or do you need to have a chunk of change? Personally, I don't think of a bank as giving you a loan to go flip land, but I, what do I know? No, if you can be your own banker, great. It's, it's a great way to supercharge your returns. If you're borrowing from yourself at, you know, three or 4% and you can make 300% or 500% or a thousand percent, this is kind of a, a no brainer thing. I started with $3,000. My buddy Durant started with $500. We talk about this on our, our passive income podcast all the time. What we think the, the the best amount to start with is, it just depends on you. It really just depends on you. I think you can get in at $500 and there's strategies you can use. So for example, you can do a, a flipping strategy. So let's say that all I've got is 500 bucks. Well, that's enough to get me to mail, right? So now I've locked up a deal. And this actually happened to my, one of my first students, Paul Mandel. He just locks up this deal in, a, in upstate New York with a seller. Seller wants $10,000 for the property. And he knows he can flip it for 30 grand because he just knows that market. So he says, yeah, it's going to take me 90 days to do due diligence. And uh, so it doesn't take 90 days to do due diligence. It just takes like a couple of days. So what he does, he sends out neighbor letters. And the neighbor says, yeah, I'll buy it for 30000 so he says, great. So he's like, okay, put your $30,000 deposit with me and then I'll feed you over the property. So the neighbor gives him $30,000. He pays 10 to his seller. He then records both deeds to the recorder saying, record this one first, record this one second. He creates an infinite ROI, $20,000 profit. And now he's got the capital to go yep. and, and really start uh you know, supercharging the business. The other issue is, um, I mean, there's so much money out there anyways. Help your friends. If they're making 0% of their money, take a, take a debt deal. Yeah. Do you, do you guys teach how to do that through, through your program and course? Because obviously it's like, yeah, in theory, okay, all this stuff looks easy, but it's like, there's a lot of steps and even on how to write the contracts and like, I don't know if you teach people how to take loans um, or, or raise money in a, in a proper way. Um, but yeah, it, it goes back to if, if we had a Lamborghini that's worth 
I don't I'm not a car person, $100,000 and you could buy it for a thousand. Like, are you afraid that you could like, couldn't sell it? Like it's a no brainer. You could easily sell it. So it just goes back to find like making sure that there's value and making sure that the offer is solid. If the offer is solid, like you're, you're really, that that's like the way to um, protect yourself from downside. That's a way to protect yourself from inflation is the value creation. And a lot of people are investing in things that they don't understand the underlying value. That's why I love real estate. That's why I love land is um, it's not zero because it's something tangible. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, to your point, this model could be used in uh, any place you want, right? If you can buy any asset, 25, 30 cents a dollar, there's someone else on the other end of that deal. We make our money on the buy. And yeah, of course, we're going to teach everybody from county research all the way to selling uh, and provide all the, all the things that are pain points. So the last thing I want anyone to do is create another job for themselves. So we can actually show them how to use three points of leverage, software to automate, other people's time. So we use inexpensive virtual assistants all around the world, and then other people's money. Now, when I say other people's money, sometimes that other person is you and your infinite banking concept. But the, but you would also help us find how, like how to leverage other people's money. Um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm a big fan of the most efficient way to utilize capital. Like, yeah, yeah. You can use other people's money. You can use your own money. Um, you, but it absolutely, yeah. Cool. What are what are some of the big mistakes that and, and friction points that people have when they go when they when they try to do this? Like, I'm trying to ask questions or like the most popular frequently asked questions because this this does like sound like pretty straightforward, and I just want to know how to get started. But um, any any like mistakes people make are. Or what are some horror stories that you've seen of people jumping into this? And then what I'm going to ask you after is any other questions that I didn't ask that um, I should have asked. Sure, sure. So the two biggest mistakes are people want to do this in their own backyard. Well, Caleb, let's face it. If you live in Iowa, right? Nobody wakes up and thinks of those white likes raw land in Iowa today, unless you live in Iowa. So we want to focus on sunshine states, New Mexico, Colorado, for sure, mm. Nevada, Arizona, uh, Texas, California, Washington, Oregon, Florida. These are the sunshine states. These are fast growing states. New yeah. Mexico, great one as well. So that's a number, that's a that's a big mistake I see people making. Like I live in New Jersey. Will this work in New Jersey? Well, I don't want to buy land in New Jersey. And then it, by the way, New Jersey people, not to offend you, if you're in New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, like these big uh, industrial states, you have to go to epa.gov. Make sure you're not buying in a super fun site. And they'll show you on that site where those are. But that's one piece of due diligence. You don't want to miss out on. Because if you buy in that super fun site, you are now liable for the millions of dollars in cleaning up. But because we're focusing on the states that don't have that, it's, it's very rare. So that's, that's the number one mistake I see people making is thinking, oh, this will work anywhere. Well, it's not going to work in Phil Lots in San Francisco. It's not going to work in Phil Lots in Austin, in Phil Lots in New York City. If you own an Infill Lot in one of those cities, you're not going to sell it to you for 25, 30 cents a dollar. You're going to go to the biggest, baddest land broker in town and you'll sell it 125 cents of the dollar. Right. So you don't want to waste your time in bad markets. So that's number one. The second biggest mistake I see people making is fear. So they do a one in, one out approach. So if I'm sending out mailers, I've got a six to eight week response time to get those offers back in the mail back to me. Well, once, I buy the property from you, 
people stop mailing and they stop their deal flow. And now I'm Chick-fil-A without chicken. So you don't want to be a chicken company without a chicken. You want to always, always keep your deal flow going. Never stop mailing. Or if you're, you know, we teach you a wholesale strategy. Um, I'll teach you a wholetailing strategy uh, as well. And, um, but you always want to keep your deal flow. I love it. What other questions are, are popular or that come up a lot that I haven't already asked? I think you asked the big one. I mean, I think the, the biggest ones are like, why teach this? Uh, for me personally, like, what's your motivation? Are you just doing this to make a lot of money, Mark? You just course after course, like, uh, what, what's, the, uh, what's the big marketer saying? Learn, learn the secrets of life and then sell it to other people. Yeah. Right. So for me, I mean, like, I love land investing, but nobody ever really said to me, hey, Mark, you changed my life with this land investment. But once I teach people how to get out of what I call solo economic dependency, yep. which means if they're not personally working, they're not making any money and they can get the trifecta in life, which means that their passive income exceeds their fixed expenses during a time in their life when they have their health. And then so they got their money, their health, and their time. And now they can really move up Maslow's hierarchy of needs into yeah. self-actualization, do what they really want to do, spend more time with their kids, more time with their family, their friends, travel, whatever it is they want to do in life. Because once we remove that big bucket of stress in our lives, we call it money, yeah. oceans of energy are opened up to do things. And for me, getting that kind of professional gratification, like I freed enough people now, I could die in peace, but wow. I, want to free, I want to free more. Our, our whole mission at Better Wealth is intentional living. And it's like, that is the metric for success. And it's like, you're not wealthy if you're not living intentionally. And that's one of the reasons I resonate with just your passion. That's why uh, when you're like, man, Mark's always happy. Does Mark ever have a bad day? I I'm sure you do, but you, but you wake up with purpose every day because you're very, very clear on why you're doing what you're doing. And I've met people personally that you've changed, which is just probably really humbling to hear um, because it probably never gets old, but uh, I'm very, very grateful that you are in my life and uh, grateful to learn more about this and already know a couple people, um, including myself, that want to start pursuing this because it really comes down to if you're willing to learn, which I know that you guys have, um, you guys teach the whole system um, probably in multiple tiers. And I know that you have a free, free course that anyone that's interested in learning more can go through. Um, I'm just very, very grateful for that. And um, I'm looking forward to to seeing if I can get in the game of flipping land. I'm okay. I don't need to have a big building with my name on it. I'll I'll, I'll flip uh, parcels of land all day long. Uh, one question that did come to my mind is: Are neighbors ever ticked? <laughs> are are the neighbors that you're selling ever ticked that they're like, hey, why didn't you know they come to me? And has that ever backfired? Like they try to go around you to try to go get the deal, or is that just? Is it just so inefficient that people don't even know how to where to begin? Sometimes neighbors will get an offer letter and people get an offer letter to get mad. That's a thing. And I, I always laugh, like who would take the time? It's like, if, it's like if I got a credit card offer in the mail, would I really take the time to like mail it back to Discover with like, a, you know, like the terrible epithet, like Discover, you're the worst. Like, no, I just throw it away. But some people actually do take the time to do it. Um, you know, but getting to your point, there are some people out there that think you should have a buying site and a selling site. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. When I when you go to Nordstrom and you buy a shirt, are you to go online and look at okay, what were Nordstrom's costs on the shirt? 
No. No. In fact, what's the last thing you ever bought? Did you ever go and see what their costs were? No. No. We all assume Nordstrom, whoever we shop from, Walmart, doesn't matter. They're all making a profit. Yeah. So your, your buyers don't care. Yeah. They just want the land. Yeah. Of course, you, of course you're making a profit. I love it. How, how, uh, how can my audience um, learn more about what you're up to? And if, if this is something that's speaking to them or they want to learn more, what, what, what's the best place for them to start? I think the best place is just thelandgeek.com and that'll, that'll lead you to a lot of places. But I think the best way, if you're really interested in doing this, I think the best way to learn is by doing. And so I have a free course that's going to teach you how to, uh, it's called a wholetailing method. So if you remember, Caleb, in the very beginning of our process, we had to do county research. Mm-hmm. We had to get a list. We had to scrub a list. We had to price a list. We had to mail out offers. We had to do diligence. Let's eliminate all that for the newbie. So now we're going to just buy it wholesale. And then we're just going to do the back end of that model, which is the marketing and the selling and doing it on terms. So it's called wholetailing model. And so I teach you how to double your money, 30 days or less. And then once you've done that, you feel really confident, like, okay, maybe I want to learn more. This resonates with me. So it's just thelandgeek.com forward slash quick deals. Thelandgeek.com forward slash quick deals. We will make sure to put all those links in the description. Um, Mark, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Anything else that you want to say before I go into my final question? Caleb, I mean, this has been a true pleasure. Thank you. Um, as far as gratitude is concerned, I listened to a podcast. I thought it was because like you're giving me all this gratitude. And of course, I'm soaking it in. It actually is more effective than you and I just writing down and waking up and doing our own gratitude practice. So if you're listening to this, that really, from a scientific standpoint, is not going to raise your serotonin or dopamine levels. If it's, it's actually better when someone else has given you gratitude and you read that. So if you do that three times a week, and if you have, if you, you know, if you're young, you don't have anything like that yet. Um, you can conjure it up in your in your mind, and and do that. There's always someone who's grateful for you in some way, even if it's just your parents. Um, and and look at that. So what I've what I've tried to do is be very intentional and, and letting people in my life know I'm grateful for them and being genuine with that. And what I've found is I become uh, a more happy, blessed person. Uh, it's just it's just interesting how the world works and it's like when you when you live a life of being really grateful for the people around um you just might it's like when you start driving a car and you realize everyone's driving that same car it's like you just start realizing that wow like there's gratitude that goes around and it's i appreciate you sharing that which might have sold some of your thunder from our last question Um, but the last question is the legacy question um this is your last day on earth and you're with the people that you love the most. And you you said something very unique. You said, I could die in peace today just on the people that we serve, which I think not a lot of people can say if they're being honest with themselves. Um, but if this is your last day and you're with the people that you love the most, you can't give them any courses. You can't give them any books. You can't give them your amazing podcast. You just have one last conversation. What are you going to make sure to highlight in that last conversation? I would tell them that they should focus on the three things in life money can't buy a calm mind, a fit body, and a house full of love. And if they do those three things, they got life licked. So every day meditate, work on your mind, or do something like that, something spiritual, so that you realize you're not attached to your thoughts. And then work out every day, get breathless, keep fit, 
And then, you know, at the end of your life, the most important thing is the quality of those relationships. And so that house full of love is everything. I would encourage people to re-listen to that because uh, I think you articulated that incredibly well. And I would I would agree with everything that you said. Mark, thank you so much. I'm going to put um, the the link to your podcast and, and any other resources that you want me to put in the description. Um, I appreciate you. I look forward to going on this journey. Um, and my hope is that one person that's listening to this or watching this um, gets them to think different, whether it's land flipping or something else, that they can start moving in that direction. And um, we're, we're better be we're better because of you coming on the show. And so thank you. Thanks, Caleb. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.